You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, in the kitty copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Shows on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And of course, you can always join the Discord community that's linked in the show notes. Come hang out. We're, we're going to have a good time, especially as the draft draws a little nearer. Today on the show, uh, we're going to keep doing this. I'm just going to kind of find different themed ways to keep talking about prospects that I like. Uh, this week, we focused a lot on the first round options, on the possible edge rushers, on uh, possible offensive linemen, even on uh, you know the possibility of taking a quarterback. If you're into that discussion and you missed it, that was yesterday's show. Go listen to that one. And uh, so today, we're going to kind of continue with that. And I want to talk about a couple of people who are going to perhaps experience a fall that they don't deserve. This is a pretty common way to generate value in the draft, right? Find somebody who's going to fall for a reason you don't think matters. Let's say, for example, there is a prospect. Uh, I mean, take a look at like Justin Fields, for example. We talked about him yesterday, so we won't talk about him much today, but there's uh, some like character flags about Justin Fields. And if you look into it and you think, ah, these flags kind of seem like BS. He seems like a totally good kid and people have just mis- misjudged him. You might still be able to treat him like a player with character flags in terms of the value you spend on him. Say, well, because of this, I think he's going to fall all the way to pick 20. So I might trade down to pick 20 and get him because I know I can, but I'm going to be really excited to get him. And I'm just going to kind of use this narrative and leverage it as a way to save capital in a way. And I've talked a lot about the Vikings uh, trading down. I think trading down at 14 is the optimal outcome for me. It's the one I'm rooting for the most at 14. There's plenty of players I would be plenty happy with at 14, but there, I, I think outside of like Justin Fields and somebody, you know, like Kyle Pitts falling or something just absolutely beyond the pale, outside of that, there really isn't anybody that I prefer selecting there versus trading down and risking getting the next guy down the board. When it comes to the edge rushers, there's probably going to be like all of them on the board, maybe all of them minus one. So that provides an opportunity to move down in the draft and be in the part of the draft where maybe only two of those guys are left and you still have uh, a choice between, you know, getting one of those guys you all have in a similar spot, but you've gained a bunch of extra value in doing so. And so to kind of motivate that, we also have to identify identify who you're trading down for. We talk a lot about if you trade up, who are you trading up for? But who are you trading down for if you're trying to do that? Or who is just going to fall past where you think they should go? And I'm looking for players who are going to fall for reasons I don't care about. So their fall is just an opportunity to get a little bit of value. There are three players that I want to talk about in this one. I'm going to talk about some pass catchers, but the first one I want to talk about, he's already been prospect of the day. So prospect of the day is going to be somebody else. But I want to talk a little more about Jalen Phillips. On Thursday, I uh, released an article that I looked a lot further into his situation. And in preparation for this podcast, after I wrote that article, I reached out to uh, Krauser, Kraus at Krauserific on Twitter. Uh, I'll link his his Twitter on in the show notes. He's a phenomenal Vikings follow if you're not following him already. You probably are, but if you aren't, go follow him now. He is also a neurologist. So he informed a lot of what I'm going to relay to you 
about Jalen Phillips and his retirement and his whole situation. He's a really fascinating prospect to me because of this. these medical red flags make him such an interesting evaluation. Without those medical red flags, he'd probably be like a consensus top 15 pick. He's got excellent speed around the edge. He can transition that speed into power. He makes a bunch of plays in, in like backside pursuit. He's a really, really good player, like if, if it's just on field. But off field, you have all these medical concerns. So he uh, suffered a whole bunch of injuries in his time at UCLA, played most of his college career at UCLA, and then he transferred to Miami later. But at UCLA, he missed some time. He got a high ankle sprain in 2017 and missed some time to do that. And he got a concussion and he missed some time there too. And then in 2018, he got in a moped accident. He got hit by a car while on his moped and it caused uh, him to break three bones in his wrist and he needed two surgeries and it graded on him all year. And it was this like excruciating pain that he talks about. And then he got another concussion. Uh, he ended up getting three concussions over the course of his college career. So he got a, a his his last concussion came in October of 2018 and the UCLA doctors have a rule. So at UCLA, they, they have a rule about this after your third concussion um, and the symptoms weren't going away. So they were like really uh, long lasting symptoms, which is really concerning when it comes to concussions. And so the UCLA doctors said, OK, we're shutting you down for the season and we recommend that you just hang them up and, and leave football behind. That wasn't a mandate, but it was the recommendation that they give players after you sustain your third concussion in college football. They say, this is kind of getting unsafe for you. You should think about it. And after the fourth one, they say, okay, you can't be part of our program anymore. Um, That's and that's all about like their their liability. But as you hear Jalen Phillips talk about it when he, you know, gives interviews uh, after he comes back and he's playing again, he did a lot of interviews about this in his senior year once he was excelling at, at Miami. And they say, well, what were you thinking at the time? And he, and he says he was so frustrated not being able to get on the field. And it felt like his body just wasn't able to, to give what it needed to. And it felt like it was the accumulation, at least the way he talks about it and the way that the tone that I kind of perceive out of that is that it was the accumulation of, uh, you know, the ankle injury and the wrist and the concussions and all the missed time and all that stuff. And he felt like... Uh, he, he, this, maybe this was a sign and this wasn't for him. It wasn't a forced retirement due to concussions or anything like that. You'll, you're going to hear some people say that that's not true. He didn't, UCLA did not force him to. The doctors recommended him to, and if he sustained another one, they would have forced him to, but he wasn't at that point yet. It was really, it seemed more like a 19 year old kid just kind of going through a phase of what do I want to be when I grow up? And he like kind of took a little foray into music and he did a couple other internships and kind of tried some other career paths and he wasn't really feeling any of it. And then Jim Mora called him and a couple other schools called him and he kind of said, all right, yeah, you know what? I think I do want to go get back into football. And so he does. And then he transfers. And you're also going to hear, oh, well, he, his concussion, you know, got a concussion and he didn't play again for two years. Well, he had to sit out a year because of the transfer rules. So you're going to hear some weird stuff about that from people who didn't look into it enough. I already see it and I'm watching you. But I would say that retirement from football, while it would be undeniable that the concussions are some part of it, they weren't all of it. And I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. Now, as uh, talking to Krauser about concussions and really the thing to worry about, and this is the way that the teams are going to do this, is they're going to go in and do kind of a medical examination. I think they've already done a medical examination um, at, at the medical combine. And so all of those medicals come back and you get a sense for the concussions. But the thing about concussions is they're really, really hard to parse. There are some like motor skill tests or like cognitive tests you can do, but they're not the best indicator of if somebody has lingering symptoms. The best indicator you have of concussion symptoms is what the patient reports, what they say they're feeling. And so if an athlete doesn't report their symptoms, then there's really kind of nothing you can do. They can say, no, coach, I feel fine. And there's no real way to check that unless, you know, I mean, if they're coming off in a daze and, you know, you say, how many fingers am I holding up? And they tell you macaroni and cheese, then 
that's like one indicator, but some of the sideline tests and the field tests they do, and especially like after the fact part of that protocol, I, I think it's so such a difficult thing to to figure out that more of it's probably for show than we're willing to like comfortably accept. Um, and they're, they're really the only way to uh, fully understand this is, does he still report symptoms? And I would imagine two years removed from the whole thing, he probably isn't reporting symptoms. And I think the line between the third and fourth concussion, this is a, a point that Krauser wanted to make, was like, there, there's not like a definitive, uh, you know, line in the sand between the third concussion and the fourth one, that's probably more of a legal liability decision that the, the university makes. And everybody's concussions are different. Symptoms are, val- are variable. Long-term effects are variable. And it, it's a really difficult thing to measure. So you can go to the medical combine. You can say, hey, Jalen Phillips, does your head feel okay? And he can say, yep. And that's about all you can do. And if he's lying to you, there's really no way to know around that. But he did play a full season at Miami or as full of a season as Miami played because of COVID. He opted out of the bowl game, and if you can kind of take that as evidence and say, okay, if he comes in and he reports no symptoms and he played a full season, then you can kind of say, well, maybe those symptoms have healed, and the next concussion has a higher chance of happening because your brain has like repaired damaged tissue and that repaired tissue is just a little weaker. So there's a higher chance of another concussion happening and it's going to take longer for those symptoms to subside. So that's the risk. It's more of an availability concern and it's always going to be an availability concern because the NFL is super callous about all this stuff. Um, And it's a matter of, you know, if he does sustain a concussion, is he at higher risk for that? And is it going to keep him out longer? Now, again, the last one was in 2018. So it's been a while and that might be a sign that things are going to be okay here. So personally, I think unless he falls to the third round and that means he said, yeah, my head does kind of hurt every day and no team is going to touch that then, right? But if that's not the case and somebody takes him, I mean, look, there's still going to be a bunch of teams that just have him off their board in, in general, but somebody might get him at pick 25 and that that might be a top 15 pick you're getting at pick 25. And so if the Vikings wanted to be the team that traded down to pick 25 with somebody trying to go up and get a quarterback or whatever and take Jalen Phillips, I would be really, really in favor of that. I would take the bet. You have to acknowledge that it is a bet. It is a risk, but you shouldn't shy away from risk. And even when those gambles burn you sometimes, you should still go back and try to keep re-rolling those dice. I got a couple more prospects I think are going to suffer draft falls that they don't necessarily deserve. And maybe uh, that will afford the Vikings some interesting opportunities. But first, this episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring. Ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece, they're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. This collection features high-quality fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced, so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring that she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. Get more of the sports news you need in less time, under 20 minutes every single morning, hosted by Peter Bukowski with a Locked On Today 
podcast. You can find the Locked On Today podcast every single weekday on the Odyssey app, that's A-U-D-A-C-Y, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Now, the next guy I'm going to talk about is the prospect of the day, and it's one I think you all are going to like, considering what you have been asking me about. It's uh, somebody from the great state of Minnesota, or at least he played college there, Rashad Bateman. So I'm sure there's a lot of overlap between Vikings fans and Gopher fans, so Gopher fans, you don't need to hear a lot of this, but Rashad Bateman, he's a very good football player. When you look into him, all the evaluators, they rave about his releases and his routes, and he's this really dynamic creator after the catch. He did a lot of, and this is the University of Minnesota's offense, um, I think kind of does him not too many favors here because a lot of it is kind of based on setting up those opportunities for him, so a lot of it is like an RPO slant that he takes for a 40-yard gain, and then you go, ah, but it was just a slant, and you kind of don't mark him up maybe as much as you should for that. To me, the Rashad Bateman evaluation, this isn't a stylistic comp or even a quality comp necessarily, but the the story of his evaluation reminds me a lot of what we just kind of talked about we learned from Michael Thomas. Uh, earlier in the week, we talked about like learning from our, all of our draft misses, and a, a big one for me was Michael Thomas. I Michael Thomas was not on my radar at all, and that was a big whiff for me. Of course, you know, the Vikings made the same mistake. And the reason was that Michael Thomas didn't have the elite strengths that a lot of the other, I mean, Will Fuller had this like blitzing speed and, and Laquan Treadwell was, you know, big and physical and, and Michael Thomas was pretty good at everything. He wasn't the best at anything, but he also didn't have any weaknesses. And the, the lesson that I learned from Michael Thomas, and I think it's one that you can apply to Justin Jefferson as well. And it's a similar conversation that I had last year when I was talking, previewing Justin Jefferson was a lack of weaknesses as a wide receiver is one of the best strengths you can have. If you don't lose consistently in this way or that way, how's somebody going to beat you consistently? And that kind of showed up with Michael Thomas. I think it's showed up with Justin Jefferson. And I think ultimately it's kind of a lesson that I learned that hasn't really betrayed me since. And I think that applies to Rashad Bateman to some degree. The weaknesses that he has, a lot of people just talk about his athleticism and that he he didn't run a great, great agility drills and that he doesn't have like explosive speed. But when he actually went to test, the speed wasn't bad. He ran a 4-4-3. That'll do. His 10-yard splits was, was uh, 1.556 seconds, according to the relative athletic score database that uh, Kentley Platt puts together, which I'll, I'll link in the show notes. It's a very awesome resource. Uh, it's, it's eight and a half ish out of 10. So that's a really good score. And you've kind of seen, I mean, look, he's not playing for the Mountain American Conference here, right? Like the University of Minnesota goes up against good, like well-established defenses like Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State. Uh, these are players that, you know, I mean, he's constantly going up against players that ended up getting drafted in the top 20 of their drafts eventually. These are good players. And the fact, and, and so like, I, I don't have a strength of competition issue and I don't necessarily have a like, ah, well, his bad short shuttle will be exposed by NFL diva like no it's the same people like he's gonna go up against Jeff Okuda a whole bunch of the time like we've already seen that he was really successful on the inside on the outside however uh the Gophers wanted to use him and so it seems to me like you have this like ah well he doesn't quite have the explosive first step and so we're gonna put him below Jalen Waddle on our board and now when he's now that he's below Jalen Waddle he's wide receiver four and some people even have him wide receiver five and to me it feels like that's just not going to bear out that way based on the way we've seen prospects like this that are very, very good at stuff and not really bad at any stuff. And the only complaint I hear is about like functional agility, which you don't necessarily like his routes are fine. And so the act like he's not winning with athleticism, but he's already polished enough that he doesn't have to. So I don't know what's the problem here. 
I don't really get why he's going to fall, but it seems like he's going to fall. He also uh, opted out at a weird time in the 2020 season. Some teams might get really weird about it, and maybe that'll happen. That was something Dane Brugler mentioned in his draft guide. Uh, so I guess maybe that'll cause a fall. But either way, I think he's going to fall way further than he's supposed to. And he's going to end up being one of those players, not unlike Justin Jefferson, that goes in the 20s and probably shouldn't have. So there's one more guy I want to talk about uh, that might be actually even available to the Vikings at 14 and maybe shouldn't be there. Uh, but first, let's talk about the best tasting protein bar on the planet. It's Built Bar. They're all covered in 100% chocolate. They come in just ridiculous flavors. If you're trying to lose or maintain weight, but you still want an indulgent treat and you want to act like you're eating like a Reese's or something, you can have a chocolate peanut butter one. There's like a chocolate raspberry or chocolate orange if you're into the fruitier stuff. There's really weird. There's like a birthday cake one. I mean, it's just it's absurd. It's It just shouldn't exist, but it's low calorie, uh, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. It's even keto friendly if you're doing the keto thing. So head on over to BuiltBar.com and enter promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15. You can get 15% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. I also want to talk to you about Gramblin. If you are looking for that sports gambling fix, of course, we're in the NFL offseason. You can bet on the draft, though. You can bet on, say, who you think the, f- the third overall pick is going to be. You can bet on one and two also, but I think those are pretty much decided. But you can bet if you think that maybe all this Mac Jones stuff is a smokescreen or the Justin Fields stuff is a smokescreen and uh, maybe they're g- going to shock the world and take Trey Lance. I think the odds of that are actually pretty pretty low, so you might stand to gain a, a decent buck there if you're right. You can head on over to betonline.ag. They are your online sportsbook experts. They've got all the odds you could ever want. You can even bet on stuff like awards and reality TV. TV. And when you first sign up, it's free to make an account. When you make your first deposit for the money you're actually going to bet with, make sure you enter promo code locked on, all one word, L O C K E D O N, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. That means for every $100 you put in as part of your first deposit, you get 50 bucks on top of it. Free Gramblin money courtesy of betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Next week, starting April 19th, going through the 26th, is like the coolest thing on the Locked On Network every year. It is my favorite thing in the world, the Ultimate 2021 Mock Draft. It's a separate podcast feed, so go to the Odyssey app, that's A-U-D-A-C-Y, or wherever you find your podcasts, go subscribe to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast feed. All of the Locked On hosts, including myself at 14, we all picked for our teams, we did trades and everything, uh, and we we put together a mock draft. Michael Irvin, Brian Baldinger, uh, Michael Lombardi are going to weigh in on the picks we did, so you're not going to want to miss it. It's a really, really cool project that'll help you kind of get situated, headed into draft weekend. As for me at pick 14, an interesting idea that was actually the pick, I think, in the second mock draft Monday. Uh, they were still playing. I think it was like the national championship or the college football playoffs or something that Devonta Smith was playing. And it was before he won the Heisman or anything like that. And he had this absolutely dominant game. And I remember that happened the week after I picked him in mock draft Monday. And he happened to fall to the, to the Vikings. And it happened to be a weird simulation. In about half the simulations I've done, Devonta Smith is there or within striking distance, and it seems like reality might look a lot like The Sims, and he might fall, despite being the Heisman winner, being one of the most dynamic people in Alabama. We just talked about Mac Jones, and how a lot of Mac Jones' success was because the offense was really designed for him to deliver an easy seven-yard pass that sets up Jalen Waddell and, and Devonta Smith to, you know, house something from 80 yards out. Well, that kind of relies on those guys being pretty good at football. And, like, this led to, like, this historic offense in a national championship. Like, it worked out. And so, Devonta Smith, very, very good, explosive athlete. He gives you everything you could possibly want. And it kind of feels like over time, 
there comes this tipping point where the last time we saw a guy play live was months ago, and the last time we saw them measured was weeks ago. And it's a lot easier to remember how they look in shorts than how they looked on the field. And that sort of starts to leak into people's minds. And I don't think teams are particularly immune to this either. It reminds me a lot of DK Metcalf's process, where DK Metcalf just romped on humans all the time. He worked out great in the NFL. If you just, like didn't go online or didn't listen to a single person talk between like February and April of uh, 2019, you probably would have been surprised by anything. But DK Metcalf ran a bad three cone and it was such a headline grabber and it was the only thing everybody talked about that it kind of became the story of him was, well, he's not agile. What do you, what can you do with a wide receiver that isn't agile? And he ends up falling, I believe, to the last pick in the second round. And Obviously, that that bore out to be like an awful misevaluation. He should have gone way higher than that. And I think a similar thing is happening to Devonta Smith, where he played really, really well. He's got elite ball skills. He runs good routes. He's got a lot of uh, athleticism. He's quick. He can uh, get down the field. He can track the ball. He can do everything you want. There's no reason that this guy shouldn't like be able to execute NFL concepts at a high level. But he weighed in at a buck seventy at six foot two, and that's the last thing we learned about him. And now we have two months to think about that. Instead of thinking about that as part of the package, it's the most recent thing, and it's sticking out in our minds. And so it kind of sounds like he might actually fall a lot further than than maybe is reasonable. And at fourteen, if Devonta Smith is there. He's one of those guys that I think the Vikings should think about. Now, obviously, uh, we got to talk a little bit more about the Vikings roster and, and where those snaps and targets and stuff come from, but they are down a fifth skill player, right? So if you have a wide receiver core of Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Devonta Smith, and then you have Irv Smith as a tight end, Dalvin Cook, there's your, your like core skill player group, right? And you can kind of have that be the, the personnel grouping for as many snaps as you want. You're not going to run as much. You're not going to do as much outside zone play action stuff. It probably moves away from like what Kirk Cousins is best at, but that might be worth it considering that, you know, you might be able to go deep a little bit more. You might be able to pass at a higher volume and get more production and be a, a little bit of a faster offense. And, and you know, that that'll probably weighs out just fine. And you're getting a player that's supposed to be just pretty darn good. Like McVay has run the wide zone out of 11 personnel a ton. Like it would work out just fine. And you don't need to replace Kyle Rudolph one to one with a tight end. I've been saying that all offseason. But because he's like kind of wiry looking and, you know, you, you walk up to him and you think this guy doesn't look like a football player and you say, well, is this guy going to hold up to NFL physicality? He's never had an injury in Alabama, but you go, well, is he going to start having injuries in the NFL? I, I just think that the the weaknesses surrounding Devonta Smith that, that sound like they've put him below, you know, Jamar Chase, which I think is probably more fair, but they've put him below, uh, you know, Jalen Waddle even in, in a lot of places. I see a lot of boards, a lot of mock drafts doing that. And, and I would not be surprised to see the NFL kind of thinking the same way, even though it just feels like they're really, really overvaluing something that doesn't have a lot to do with what we've seen him do on the field. It feels like a he's good, but criticism. And and if you've been listening to this show for a couple years, you know that that's my least favorite thing when it comes to any evaluation of players. He's good, comma, but everything that comes after that is usually a bunch of nonsense. Like he's 6'2", 170. And you're going to go, oh, no, he's like too skinny. 
too skinny to do what? To excel at the highest level and the highest program in the in all the land to beat up on, you know, SEC cornerbacks, like places like LSU and Florida that like always produce all these great like it's not like there's a strength of competition problem. Those are the same guys in the NFL. It's not unlike Rashad Bateman. If you have a durability concern, you would kind of think that that would show up at some point in college. And I think you might be able to just play at 170 if you're like pretty good at football. And he is. And he's not exactly like a he he he's not like a, a gangly, awkward guy either. He's a uh, Dane Brugger called him a ballerina. And the way that he forces missed tackles and makes people miss, he's very clearly an elite ball handler and somebody you want to get the football to as a part of your offense in any way that you can. And people are going to see one number on a on a sheet that says 170 and be totally scared off of it. I think that's a ton of nonsense. And if the league does that, the team that, you know, strikes and takes advantage of that very obvious mistake the league is going to make and has made before the team that strikes is going to be summarily rewarded for it. And if that the Vikings have a chance to do that at 14, I'd love it. Obviously, I think the poster child for this guy who's going to fall for reasons that are probably dumb is Justin Fields. We just talked about him a ton yesterday. So again, uh, go listen to that show. But Jalen Phillips, I honestly, I would take Jalen Phillips at 14, though I think it would probably be more efficient to trade down. Same thing with with Rashad Bateman and definitely would take Devonta Smith at 14 if people got real weird about how he's like kind of wiry. I would love it. So uh, next week, we're going to keep going with this. We're going to keep doing prospect of the day. We're going to keep doing a mock draft Monday and Twitter Tuesday and all that stuff. So get your questions in. And I'm also going to ask you about your late round crushes, because last year you guys nailed some. And I want to talk about that as well. So think about who your late round guys are, your, uh, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, you know, undrafted free agent types that you think are going to break out. We're going to talk about all of that next week and more. And of course, uh, the draft is, is coming up faster than you think. I'll see you guys all on Monday. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL, shows on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. And as always, Skull.